You're listening to The Creators Channel. Hey everyone, welcome to The Creators Channel. My name is Chris Kelly with ProductionCrate.com and today I am joined by Wes Richardson. Wes is an animator, Wes is a visual effects artist, Wes does motion design for big clients such as Nickelodeon, Ford, PBS, I got a list of some good ones here, Nat Geo, <laughs> Dude, you have done some work on some major stuff, but also Wes has an incredible Instagram channel where he also does a ton of very, very awesome visual effects pieces, which I'm sure many of you watching are already following Wes's work. But if you're not, go check out uh, Snatch and Snacks, right? I want to yeah, make sure Snatch I nail it. Snatch and Snacks, yeah. <laughs> go check out Snatch and Snacks on Instagram where he posts some of my ultimate, my favorite uh, visual effects content out there. It's extremely creative, but also very technically well done. Um, Wes, Wes, welcome to the Creators Channel. Yeah, Chris, thank you. Thank you a lot for uh, for having me on. It's, um, it's an honor to, to talk with you guys for sure. Wes, can you give us a little background of what you're doing day to day? Yeah, so uh, I guess, you know, Snatch and Snacks started as somewhat of a hobby about three years ago. Uh, in my day job, I'm a motion graphics designer, uh, animator. Uh, I've been working in the, in the industry for about 15 years now. Uh, so, yeah, my day-to-day is uh, I'm just working with different graphic studios. Um, half of the work I do is design work, uh, like back-end storyboarding and conceptualizing for different uh, for network branding, for TV commercials, um, you know, advertising that goes on TV and web. Uh, it's kind of, it's kind of all over the place. So yeah, half of it is design work. And then the other half is like the actual production animation, um, of the, of, and like production of the job. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's usually my, my day to day. Is when you do like a design or a storyboard for a client, do you usually end up doing the animation as well? Like, is it kind of like, um, a pitch with the storyboard or are you getting hired specifically for the design portion and like the jobs don't usually overlap? Uh, they, sometimes they overlap and sometimes they don't like, um, it's, it's weird because, uh, I, I lived in, uh, New York city for about eight years and worked there as a, as a designer and animator. Uh, but since I've moved back to North Carolina, I've been working 100% remote. So the amount of design work, I've been doing has kind of dropped a little bit, Mm -hmm. but yeah, there, there's definitely times where I will get hired to, uh, do design work. And then, you know, the schedules might not overlap enough to where, um, you know, they, they might deem it better to, uh, whatever studio I'm working with might do the, the animation in house, or they already have somebody else lined up to do the animation. Um, and sometimes like the, the concept is, you know, whatever I'm designing, whatever I'm storyboarding, mm-hmm. you know, I technically will not know how to do that once production starts. I mean, it could be some complex 3D thing that's out of my wheelhouse. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's different because when I was living in New York and I was working in different studios, I would see a job all the way through from design all the way up until the delivery of the job. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's definitely a mix. I mean, sometimes uh, I'm working on something right now that I'm seeing from start to finish and I'm, uh, but those, those jobs don't really come that often. Um, it is, this year has been crazy because I think a lot of clients are starting to see that some of these jobs can be done remotely. Um, you know, what with COVID and, mm-hmm. and everything. So, uh, that's, 
I, I think some of those <laughs> crazy, are, crazy busy. You mean like things yeah, are yeah, picking crazy, up? Yeah, things things are picking up. I think I, I think uh, things are starting <laughs> to trickle down from the top as far as the jobs that can be, uh, you know, from start to finish done remotely, uh, mm-hmm. which is cool. Sorry, that was a <laughs> novel answer. To your no, question. no, it's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have a preference between doing like look dev type stuff and storyboarding to doing the final production? Um, man, that's a good question. Um, it is, uh, it's so weird because it definitely works different parts of your brain. I, in my, in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, I feel <laughs> it's so weird. I feel so, uh, way more exhausted after, doing a big long design job Hmm. uh the creative juices are just flowing a a little more uh because of the the speed at which things need to be produced um but i don't know it's different i think that's i think that's why snatch and snacks started the way it did because i had like such control over everything Mm -hmm. um i i got to decide you know, how much design time I could put into something and then right. how much time I could put into like the visual effects part. Um, ah, it's weird. I, 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 I think because Snatch and Snacks has become such an extension of my like creative opinions that I'm starting to like that side of it more. Hmm. Um, but I will always have, I mean, I'm first and foremost a designer. So that that side, that like, uh, edge, I have to keep sharpened for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, right? Like your work is on your portfolio. You've done like the, the big client, the name brand stuff. Um, you've done like the Reese's commercials and the, the Ford commercials that everybody's seen. And, (laughs) you know, you've done like these big, very polished looking things. And then for snatch and snacks, it's like pure creativity, right? Like it's, that's like almost all it is. It's like, what can I do to this one shot to give it visual effects that like the narrative is built into the effects. You're like not even using the footage all that much to like build the story. It's like you make the story based off of that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's such a, I guess, I guess it's weird because with some of those jobs that I worked on as far as like, in the motion graphics industry, you're work, you, usually you're working with a team mm-hmm. of, you know, it could be anywhere from like three to 10 people um, there and they all have their, you know, separate part of the job. Right. And um, as far as like the production side of it, uh, you know, for like a, I don't know, like a 30 second commercial that's purely uh, animation could be working with like three other animators. So you all have like a certain role to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but you don't necessarily have the time to sit and like milk it and to like, make sure everything is like super, super polished. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's one thing I like about, um, editing is, you know, you, it's, it's kind of, a it's, it's a, it's problem solving, right? It's like, how can I take this found footage and create a funny, like story out of it? Totally. Um, and so it's, uh, you are, there, there are some like parameters that you are locked into with that. Right. But, uh, I, I think I'm starting to like, you know, especially with 
you know, the start of it being like with you guys is developing more like original content. Um, there's so it's, it's, it's tough because I have so many ideas written down for how I'm going to get that started. But then, you know, some video comes up that I feel like I have to edit and yeah. really like backs that process up more and more. But so um, right yeah. now you, you have like the, the big client work and that's probably paying your bills is the snatch and snacks, um, Instagram. And I, I mean, you're like, you're almost at 80,000 followers. there, like pretty, pretty legit, good following with some of the best like visual effects content out there. Is that purely a creative outlet for you or is it also, um, revenue generating in any way? Like, um, yeah, I, I guess ever since, uh, ever since the birth of the Instagram, um, you know, it started off kind of small, like people asking for, you know, videos, you know, commissions and whatnot. Uh, then I guess bigger like influencers, uh, would contact me to do videos that might have a, like a bit of a bigger budget. Um, can you give an example of one of those projects? We'll look it up and, and throw it up. But yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I've done, I've done a couple for Larry wheels. He's like a big, uh, like bodybuilding power okay. influencer. Uh-huh. Um, there, there were a couple that I, I, and especially this year, I think I'm, uh, I'm starting to gain a little bit more traction with people that are starting to notice like the importance of that, having that type of production quality in their advertising. Um, especially, I mean, this year, especially with everyone, you know, staying home and being on their phone a little bit more. So totally. I'm seeing a lot of that pop up. Like, um, like Will Smith is, you know, a huge celebrity name. And I see him um, posting a lot of like short form visual effects, like skits and stuff. And then the visual yeah. effects artists like posting their work, which was um, a custom piece for Will Smith, probably through an agency or something. But yeah, it seems yeah. like there's now this, this bigger push for more indie visual effects artists and motion designers to get that kind of like, odd social media job that also seems like lower stakes than, you know, a Ford or a Reese's commercial or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny you mentioned that because, um, I guess within the world of like digital creators, um, I don't want to say it's a small world, but we definitely all communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Max Goodrich and Chris Ashley are like some people that I talk to oh, cool. quite a bit. And they, I think they've, they've done a couple a few things for Will Smith um, it's really cool having that, having that in with them because it's like, they seem to be pretty, pretty consistent with it. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's cool. It's, uh, I think people are starting to understand the relevance of that. Um, I think it's, it's an important time to, to keep the ball rolling. Yeah. I, I just, I really like the idea too, that you're able to get the best of both worlds, I guess, with those projects. I, you know, I'm not doing any client work. I used to, I used to run um, like a 3D motion design house and we did pretty, you know, decent budget stuff. It was just me and my partner and it was cool. Like I liked the work, but it's not as cool as doing like the fun visual effects jobs. Yeah. But if you're able to yeah. like do the fun, short, low stakes visual effects jobs, get paid decently and like get eyes on it as well. Cause nobody wants to make something awesome and nobody sees it. Like to me, that's, that's the ultimate, right? Like that's the ultimate oh, freelancer yeah, yeah. life. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, I think ultimately that's, that's kind of where I'd like to end up. Mm -hmm. Um, because 
I have a, like I have a creative voice and this is, I mean, this like hits it on the head where I'm able to express that. And then a lot of people can see it. Whereas, you know, a Ford commercial is something that people watch at a sports bar. Um, it gets know, seen it, though. That's cool. Yeah, too. Like it looks yeah, good yeah, on yeah, your yeah. portfolio, on your resume, but yeah. 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 The, I mean, I'm always, always thinking too about, you know, is this something that, that I can put, you know, even when it comes to snatch and snacks, it's like, is that something that I can put in my portfolio, put on my reel? Um, yeah. So it's, it's constantly build, building that as well uh, and trying to stay, trying to stay current. Um, I think, uh, so I forget who I was talking to. Um, I don't think it was on the podcast, but I, I was speaking with, it was either Mark Dorson or um, David Aryev, and they were talking about a passion project that got them like paid work that was supposed to be like reflective of the passion project. So like just doing like your snatch and stacks type stuff, which might not be currently paid work, eventually a potential client would see that and say, hey, like we want to do this for a commercial or whatever. And then you're kind of like blending the, the snatch yeah. and stack stuff and you're more like commercial client stuff at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, exactly. you're, you're talking about aspiring to I don't, uh, be like a full-time, I don't want to say influencer, but like a, a full-time short form visual effects artist, right? Like running your own yeah. shop. But right yeah. now you are a successful freelancer who's doing like decent sized commercial and broadcast stuff. I know a lot of our viewers would be interested in moving in that direction because I'd say maybe there's a, um, a more likelihood of sustained revenue doing that. Do you have any oh, recommendations course. for freelancers who are just like trying to build their portfolio and find that kind of work? Yeah. I mean, um, I guess first and foremost, if, if you can find uh, an outlet or some education in design, uh, that's always a good, a good start. Um, there's, uh, if you want to, you know, Try, try your hand at, at animation. There's such an insane library uh, of, you know, reference and education for learning those tools. Mm -hmm. um, when I, you know, I really didn't start getting super into animation until I started working. And this was 2005. YouTube wasn't really even around. I was like learning cinema 4d on downloaded QuickTime tutorials oh, from like random websites. It's like really <laughs> weird. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I would say, um, you know, pick up some books about design, about graphic design. Um, there's so much literature out now about how it ties into, uh, the freelance world, uh, how it ties into motion graphics specifically, mm -hmm. which motion graphics wasn't even something that was really, um, that wasn't taught uh, that thoroughly when, when I was coming up, I think there was like, you know, Cal arts and SVA in New York were, you know, they were, they were pushing it a little bit more, but um, you know, most art schools weren't really doing the motion graphics thing. It was very, um, it was very UX design heavy, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of information out there to get started. So the work that you get, for your, um, your client-based work, are you getting it based off of like word of mouth? Do you work with agencies? Um, what, what's like your usual outlet for connecting with a client? 
Um, most of it is uh, word of mouth. Uh, I still keep in touch with a lot of producers and studios that, um, that I worked with when I was in New York. Uh, and then a lot of it is, you know, if, if things are slow for a little bit, I'll just spam out, you know, my email and website every mm-hmm. now and then. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just about, uh, honestly building those first couple jobs and getting, getting your name out there. I've been very fortunate to have that, you know, have that hookup as I've like moved back to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I think that's, that's usually what, what's been the case. Yeah. Yeah. I still get hit up by like random clients that I did a project for, like, I like built a lower third for them in like 2007 and then they're like emailing me. I'm like, yeah, I don't do that anymore. But you know, (laughs) I might like push it onto somebody else. and like, yeah. And it's, it's funny, right. It's like, even, even with something like a lower third or like, you know, when the the first, uh, the first company that I was staff at was like a live action production company, but we also had like a graphics side Mm -hmm. and um, you know, winning, jobs for like a simple animation was huge because the agency that had that client, um, you know, they would come back to us for other jobs that, you know, were a little, you know, had a a little bit bigger, bigger budget, Mm -hmm. um, and weren't just like a 2d, uh, simple in tag animation or like a lower third or something like that. So totally, but yeah, it is, it is interesting when those, those emails come back like one or two years later. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, it really shows how like, that hustle early on and just like being kind of the annoying person who's like, Hey, if you need anything, let me know. Like two weeks later, Hey, like you mentioned this thing in passing, like if you need it, let me know. And then eventually, you know, the thing like snowballs and you have enough connections coming in and people who will like think of you first when they think like, I need, you know, a C4D animation or I need some like look dev for this kind of thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's another, uh, that's an important point. Um, yeah, for anyone that is like trying to get started in in this industry, man, be as hungry as you can be. Um, yeah, it's all about like, the hustle, man. Seriously, yeah, like so, so soak in and eat it up as much as you can. Uh, that's that was my life for like two or three years when I first started in the game. I just like lived and breathed it, and that was it. Yeah, yeah, working seven days a week, like the oddest hours. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Yeah. But now you've got uh, snatch and snacks, which like, man, uh, the creativity that you put into these videos, there's also this like weird niche that you're doing of like the, um, like the lifting lifting. dudes. Yeah. And like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, So what, why did you choose the, the lifting dudes as kind of like your thing? So it's so, so specific. The, it's not even just like yeah, yeah, sports yeah, yeah. or yeah. Olympics. It's he's like, <laughs> there's, a, there's a reason, there's a reason behind that. Okay. It's, uh, so it's actually kind of funny. Um, I was like super big into Olympic lifting. Uh, when, when the first thing I did when I moved back to North Carolina was, uh, I got into CrossFit and then, uh, through that, I got really into Olympic lifting because a buddy of mine that I knew from way back when had started, uh, coaching at a gym. Mm-hmm. So that became like a second family for me. And, uh, I got to, you know, from going to local weightlifting competitions, I got to, I realized like how big the, it's like how, how small, but how big the community was at the same time. And it sounds really corny, but I, I started doing these videos because 
was like, you know what? I want to do something funny that is relevant to the weightlifting community. And I want to try to get more followers on my, my like personal Instagram account, mm-hmm. like within the weightlifting community. So I did like the first three or four videos and they, and they did not have a watermark on them. And they started getting shared by all these accounts and people, people started DMing me like, dude, did you do this? Wow. And I was like, yeah. And it was like, it's being like posted everywhere. And then my brother, uh, who's a drummer in a metal band was like, you should, he's like very good at self self marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he was like, you should make that its own page, like its own account. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I don't know. Cause I'm going to be starting from zero and blah, 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 blah. He's like, no, trust me. Just start, start it and name it snatch and snacks. I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to give you the whole thing. It's like, do the Instagram, name it this. Like, <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> got like, you, set up. You, should, you should call it, you should call it snatch and snacks. And I was like, okay. So put the, I made the account and put the first five videos up mm-hmm. and it like blew up within the first week. Wow. Um, it was, it was pretty nuts. So I didn't know what exactly it was. I just knew that I had to keep growing it and growing it. Um, eventually, uh, you know, I branched out from weightlifting into other sports and, you know, just random other videos. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's still, basically how it started. You still post, um, like I, I'd say probably primarily weightlifting stuff. Um, but I guess I've seen, yeah, like some skateboarding stuff um, maybe some like wrestling stuff. So it's cool that you're, you're branching out, but it's still, it looks like snatch and stacks. Like right, you have right. a look that is pretty much yours, which yeah, it's yeah. cool. Are you, um, watermarking your post now? Oh yeah. Uh, everything, everything since, uh, those first few that I did, yeah, mm-hmm. everything's, everything's watermarked now. Yeah. That's I feel amazing. like, yeah, I, I went to VidCon um, I think maybe it was two years ago now. And we watched, uh, Zach King did a presentation. You probably know Zach King's work. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big, big name. Um, but yeah. he was talking about a similar issue where his content obviously would get like ripped and reshared and reposted everywhere. And, you know, like 99% of the reposts wouldn't credit him at all. So there's like billions of views out there that he has like no credit for. So what oh, he started yeah. to do was put himself in the videos more that way it's kind of like a visual watermark right like you see Zach King and you know it's his video you know this guy yeah um, but you can't really do that when you're you know yeah I mean with other people's videos and yeah that's the that's the the pitfall of you know doing some of these edits is uh you know there have been there have been people that will share they'll like crop in on the video so that the watermark oh, really? is on and it'll but it's sleazy it'll, but the, but the person that's sharing it has like millions of followers. So wow. So they, and they don't like tag you or anything. And that's not yeah, cool. it's a bummer, but I, I want to give more do. credit and just say they probably have like some like agency or firm who's like running their social media, but, and it's not an individual who would do something so snaky, but man, it probably yeah. is. I mean, to be fair, I mean, you're taking the I, videos I'm, I'm, too. I'm, well, yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm such a small person compared to a bigger, like corporate umbrella, but yeah. you know, I'm using Showtime's boxing footage, you know, to, to make the, right. the video. But then there's, like there's like, the, of, 
the video itself is one thing, but then what you do to it makes it a completely original completely work. Ori- and they exactly, wouldn't be sharing exactly. the original without all the visual effects. So like, yeah, it's not all yours, but like it is yours, you know, yeah, and like yeah, they're yeah. reposting it because of what you did to it. So the least they could do is say like, you know, check out this awesome video. Ha ha. Isn't that cool? Blah, blah, blah. Like, hashtag right. hashtag hashtag and then say like right. credit to snatch and stacks like even the barest minimum would be better than just nothing which is like yeah, yeah. takes no effort to just freaking type a couple characters it's the same it's the same with youtube um you know i i'll get links from from friends that it, it's like a it's like somebody's account that but the 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 youtube link has like five hundred thousand views but absolutely no credits yeah um it's, you know, things like that, but what are you going to do? If you keep growing, you'll see like ripoff channels where it'll be like snatch and snacks, but instead of an S it's a Z and they'll use your same logo and just <laughs> upload everything. That, and yeah. some of the yeah. like repeat uploads will get more views than your original. <laughs> I've seen oh, it. It I, makes no sense. Like I, uh, that happened to me on TikTok. I made this video with, um, it's the, it's the one with the, uh, the dancing emojis. Um, I've seen that one. That that one, that one went super viral. I think it's got almost like 10 million views on TikTok or something. Uh-huh. But did uh, you, how long ago did you post this one? Uh, let me see. Oh, is it the dan- dancing on um? It's like dancing on, on table? the kitchen table. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> God, I forget. It's not. It seems it's very amazing. TikTok friendly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the, the idea, yeah, that's it. Put that the up. <laughs> idea with that one was to create, uh, create like a TikTok dance mm-hmm. with the same song and everything just to see how, you know, how it would do on TikTok. And it, sure enough, it, it went, it went crazy, but then somebody posted it, like reposted it and like cropped in. And so where you can, you can't see the watermark. Yeah. Then there, there's, got like 20 million <laughs> no <laughs> no <laughs> that sucks man but you know tiktok is so so weird yeah so i'm watching idea. um you've got the the predator edit breakdown here on your snatch and stacks profile and you know it looks like it did pretty well and it it does a really good job of showing how much work goes into these things you've got the rotoscoping you've got the 3D objects in the scene. You've got like a whole freaking scene replacement going on. Um, I love watching VFX breakdowns. I think even people who don't do visual effects enjoy watching the breakdowns. And I'm seeing that become more and more of a trend where, you know, the breakdowns sometimes get more views than the original post. I saw you do the breakdown for this video, but you don't seem to do it that often. Is there a reason that you're not really like getting too much into that? Um, it's, uh, it's a time thing. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely very rewarding, uh, seeing it because I think it lets people know the, the time it takes. Well, maybe not the time it takes, but it does, it does help people understand the work that goes into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I haven't really, I haven't really had too much feedback about that. Mm -hmm. Um, honestly, except from a couple people and you guys, but I, I, I de- it, it would definitely be something that, that I should probably start doing. Um, especially yeah. for, I mean, I kind of hear that, you like, yeah, it, it's so, it's always cool to see, but also I could see like when you're done with the big project, you're like done with it and you don't want to like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dig through your project file and like 
clean it up a little bit so you can do a breakdown of it, which can be yeah. more work than the original video to an extent. I mean, it's, it's, it's similar when you finish up a big job for a client and you have to collect your files, make sure everything is, is yeah. safe and sound for you. User friendly. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you, you know, it's like the, it's like the, uh, that spacewalk astronaut video that I did for a production crate. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first, as I was doing it, you know, I was thinking, man, I wish this was like a little bit more, uh, after effects user friendly so that I could somehow like package everything up to show how I comped it mm -hmm. it's like a downloadable, like tutorial thing. Mm -hmm. But you know, just from time restraints, the, how I was, how I was building and comping was probably a little bit too complicated, but it was something I was keeping in mind. Like, Oh, next time I do something like this, I should have it a little bit more simplified. So, and I'm, I'm always thinking that when I, when I watch tutorials uh, mm -hmm. and, or like people streaming and recording doing their tutorials, because that is, that is another thing that I get a lot of feedback on is, Oh, you should do tutorials. You should do tutorials. But Man, I, I, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> Dude, okay, here's where you start. Start with your tracking because I love, and I, I, I think that's part of the big draw, right? You're replacing certain components of a real life live action scene with CG elements. And you, you walked me through your tracking process a bit, which was very yeah. cool, but like, it's still, it's a process, but your end results always look like so awesome. Like I really, really enjoy the look and I don't like, like, I, I like automation for the most part. Like when I oh, of course, do of object course. tracking, you know, I want my tracking markers there and everything, but you're working with footage that there was no VFX supervisor on set, like setting up, you know, finding out, uh, something rotates and something rotates like this. Right. And then uh -huh. goes over here and then goes over here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, if you like pick your most popular shot, um, focus on like one component, whether it's the tracking or roto or compositing or whatever, and just focus on that. Like, I won't say break down the whole scene, but like focus on something that you think really brought it all together. And like, I've, I'll subscribe, man, freaking instantly. And I know like a lot of visual effects artists that I follow are following your channel as well. When we posted, oh, we're going to be interviewing Wes, we got comments like, oh, that dude's work is so awesome. Like I love, and they're all visual effects artists. You know, these aren't weightlifters. They're all people who just oh, like cool, cool. admire your work. So yeah, you would have for sure a fan base, like a viewership right off the bat for sure. That's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, my... Uh, my, my brother is actually, he streams a lot on Twitch. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's another thing too, is I have a, I have a, a few friends that, that stream a lot. And even if they're doing, you know, I think uh, since then I've been following uh, somebody who they, they will stream like them working in C4D mm -hmm. and, you know, just to like mess around. And I think that's, that's important to get comfortable with that sort of setup. Um, so that people can see how, how you work. Who are you um, watching? Um, whose stream are you watching? Uh, God, it was a guy. Is it on YouTube or Twitch that you're watching it? Uh, actually it was on YouTube. It's the, uh, is it, uh, the Punisher from quarter digital by a chance? Cause he's been posting these like five hour streams that are just ridiculous. I, I design. Oh yeah. I design. Yeah. Yeah. That dude's great. Yeah. He's really, he's like very, uh, he's like very concise in how he explains the process. 
Yeah. Um, they, yeah, that's his full-time deal is like running like the tutorials and stuff. And yeah, that's um, awesome. Yeah, you got his website. He's got like courses for rendering in Redshift and like great, great breakdowns and stuff. Yeah, yeah that's that's pretty cool. What do oh, you use? Yeah. What is your render with C4D? Um, it's Octane. Okay, and, cool. Uh, I haven't I haven't taken a dive too far into Redshift yet, but um, I haven't either. I. I want to, but also I'm using Octane and I paid for Octane. I'm like, yeah, it's fast yeah, and it's same. great, but it's not like compatible with R23 yet. And it's, it's like yeah. a small thing, but um, you should check out uh, the Punisher's channel. It's Clint. I don't know the dude's last name, but he's from the Corridor team. And he posts these like five hour streams where he uses primarily Octane and there's just these long in-depth tutorials where you'll like get feedback from the community. And I'll just watch them after they premiered at like two times speed and just try and absorb everything I can. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I need to, I need, I need to start, I need to start developing a library of people, people yeah. to watch for sure. Totally dude. Yeah. yeah. But if you make tutorials, let us know and we'll share them around for sure. Oh, that, that would be, that would be amazing. Yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tough, man, because with like, with that predator, with both of the predator videos, the MMA one and the like, the weightlifting one, mm -hmm. everyone wants a tutorial, and it's just like, oh, what part do I show? Because <laughs> there's so, it's like that's like a man for the the whole thing is like a six or seven part <laughs> tutorial. How <laughs> long? The, like on, uh, pick one of those videos and like give us kind of like a rough idea of how long that video took you. So I've been uh, starting with. Let me see. Oh man, this is really bugging me that I can't see all of my posts on, on my <laughs> computer on Instagram. Sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this up on my phone real quick. I'll get, I'll get. Um, so I think starting with the Afro brutality one. So <laughs> pretty recently, I've been like very anal about keeping uh, actuals of how long I'm spending on each part of the mm. process of the video, which has uh -huh. been helping out a lot, uh, especially if somebody has like a commission or something. Mm -hmm. um, I'm like learning a thing or two from all the producers I've worked with. <laughs> so uh, like the Tony Sintmatat one, the uh, real world tactical, the one that you guys reposted with the shield and the, the Freaking wild man. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That one was about 15 working hours. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty reasonable actually when you look at the final result, like not, yeah. not moving too yeah. slow. Yeah. Another thing is uh, I noticed that uh, the engagement is a little bit better if the videos are under 10 seconds. Mm. Um, anything longer than that is kind of like people aren't going to sit, sit through it. Honestly, yeah. the ones it's, the, the ones that I'm the most passionate about never get the engagement that I want them to. That's how it is. Like, Our, like uh, best tutorials, man, there's like a thousand views or something. Nobody yeah, sees it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Until, yeah. And then you watch those and there's definitely the comment or two like, wow, why is no one watching this? <laughs> yeah. I think there, like, there is a formula that you can kind of make and follow, but you're never going to know for sure. No, sometimes no. you'll be validated and thinking something's going to work and it does. And then you'll have the same thought for another video and it just totally flops. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. Like I have this big, you know, like the, 
the Game of Thrones one, I guess I assumed that Game of Thrones was such a big, uh, you know, such a big epic show that everyone was watching. So I did like that weightlifting video that was themed after it. And I was like, man, this is going to be insane. And then blamp nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But the, uh, and then like, honestly, the Ryan Garcia one that I did uh, a couple weeks ago was probably one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that too, all yeah, right. Uh, I mean, not really. I guess the cool thing is today, Ryan Garcia, like posted it in his story. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's a win for sure. Yeah. I think, um, like the, the real world tactical appeal is that at first it just looks cool. Cause it's this strong dude lifting a bunch of weight and it's like impressive, but it's, you know, I'm, I don't really care too much about weightlifting, so I'm about to move on. And yeah. but before I do, before I, like, scroll past, suddenly, you know, this giant shield pops out of it, and these turrets pop out, and they start firing. <laughs> and, like, he's carrying the weight, so it feels like it, it gives the CG stuff a physical presence, right? Like, he, right. it looks like the dude's a freaking tank. Like, and that yeah. kind of, like, looks cool, and then suddenly you're hit with this big surprise, and then you watch the whole thing because it's awesome. I feel like if you're able to do that every single video, they'll all get a, a lot of views. Yeah, yeah, and I, th- I think what's successful about some of the things that you guys post is you, you're showing that one-to-one, like the the Desert Eagle. Uh, Huge, man, yeah. Visual effects thing is like I see that everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. I saw other people so, posting it and doing really well. I'm like, oh yeah, we have to do it then. Like I, yeah. I get why, like your eye, you know, the human eye likes picking out patterns and um, familiarity. And when you can see the compositing or we can see the CG elements and they're that much more noticeable because you have the original footage, it makes it more engaging. And I was like, I know yeah. it's going to get a lot of views and it did, it did great. So that one was validating for me, yeah, but that, that's awesome. <laughs> we could do the same thing next week and it'll totally flop. And I'll be like, right. I have no idea what's going on. I give up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think that's important. Uh, and it goes back to what you were saying about, you know, tracking footage that has no tracking markers. You're not like necessarily shooting for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, you know, the, so, so when you show how the tracking was done, actually, I don't have it on my Instagram, but it's on my TikTok. Uh, I showed a breakdown of the emoji video mm-hmm. and it's, uh, basically showed re- very roughly how I got the tracking for the hand movements, uh-huh. uh, and how that, the process of like how that was brought into cinema 40 um, you know, really, really roughly how the 3d was rendered, but yeah, I mean, it's st- stuff like okay, that. Three, 309,000 views is, is pretty solid. And it seems like it did better than a lot of your other videos. So, uh, but then the original 10 million views for your <laughs> on TikTok. So it's kind of yeah. like, yeah, it did do well. But the user base and the algorithm there is just totally, totally different. I, I can't quite figure it out, but we're doing pretty well overall. So I'm happy with, I, you know, I don't think the yeah. views are really worth a whole lot at TikTok. Like they're not going to really follow your work or like dig in, you know, for us, we want to show off what you can do with production create assets. Yeah. So that's what like our social media in general exists for. But I, I doubt a lot of people on TikTok are watching our videos and then, looking at our description and then clicking the link to go to our website to download effects, you know, and right, that's what we want, right. but I don't think it's happening a lot. Whereas YouTube, 
you know, fewer views overall, but I think more people are getting familiarized with our work. So it's kind of, yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. But for you, um, if, since you are trying to move into more of like the, um, like the individual indie creator kind of thing, TikTok's great, man. Cause then, yeah, you get those big view numbers, like 10, 20 million view numbers. And I think clients really like to see that because when you're like, look, I did it for my account and I'm not Will Smith, you know, like imagine right. if I did this for Will Smith. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's that, it's that, uh, you know, just put him in my place and it's really no different. The process yeah. is the same. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's another, that's another important thing too, is, uh, to, you know, it, it was as simple as just changing, you know, the bio information in the, in the Instagram, but having, having an account where people can see that you're an actual person and, yeah, you know, those, these effects, the way, you know, the way that you're creating like a story behind these videos isn't just being applied to found footage that, you know, you have directorial skills that you can, that you can show off as well. Right. Um, did, did, did you, did you check out any of the music videos on my portfolio by uh-huh. chance? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. So I see you worked with one band in particular. I w- I'm not familiar with um, any of the bands that I saw, but I saw they did, they pretty big followings. It seemed like you haven't done too much recently. Like some of the bigger ones were 2013, 2014 ish time zone. And then you maybe moved on from music videos for some reason. I don't know yeah, if the budget um, wasn't there and like, yeah, it is for, the, <laughs> you know, the, the budget is like, uh, obviously like a big, a big part of it. And you always kind of, it, it really depends on the artist, but, um, sometimes when you butt heads with the, uh, whoever the record label producers are or not the producers, but the, but the owners mm-hmm. obviously want like a say over the creative process where the band is just giving you like full creative license to do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, that, that part of it, I got kind of, uh, annoyed with for a little bit, mm-hmm. but the, I, I think that's the importance of, you know, staying with, you know, keeping pace with how snatch and snacks is going so that, you know, I can maintain that same style and apply it to, you know, whatever potential client might want. Yeah. Um, I guess another good example is that of that is, a. Uh, I worked on this job for Instagram earlier this year with, uh, with these two designers who were like, they're both, it was bizarre. Like we, we had been working already for a couple of weeks before we all like exchanged our personal Instagrams mm-hmm. and they're both like, like, uh, superstar influencer designer people that are both verified. And, but I noticed they have a specific style and they have gotten to a point where they can apply it to all of their work. And I, I guess I have like done that in a way, but I try to dial it back a little bit because sometimes the way that I do things doesn't always fit what I'm doing for a client. But I think that's what I like about snatch and snacks is because I can, you know, have creative license. Yeah. And any work that you do get through snatch and snacks, like, you're getting it because they like it, right? Like if your brand yeah. is all over your work, they're not going to hire you to like go do like a makeup 
or like a, a hair type commercial or something, you know, based off yeah. of Snatch and Snacks. They might right. based off of like your commercial portfolio, which is maybe a bit more diverse and has all kinds of clientele. But yeah, with your Instagram, you're able to to kind of share the kind of stuff you want to be doing, which will probably get you that kind of work, I assume. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Have you thought about trying to find um, any representation? I talked with uh, Caleb Natale, I think a a week or two ago, and he, I think he has a manager who helps find a lot of his client work. Um, Not really. Actually, no one, no one has ever spoken to me about, about representation. Um, I'd be, I'd be interested in speaking to someone about that. Yeah. I have no idea. Like, I've never, I, I don't know much about it for Caleb. I think it was nice because he's able to focus on the creative stuff and he doesn't have to worry about like the numbers in the business. But I think for other creators who maybe are more interested in that, um, it would also make sense, right? Like if the benefit of having a manager or having representation is that they're going to take some work off your hands in the fact that they're going to both find the work for you and like deal with the numbers and the paperwork. But obviously they're also going to get a cut of that revenue. And if for you or any creator, it'd be worth keeping a hundred percent of the revenue and not having management that also works out, but then you're maybe less likely to find the work. So it's this weird balance that like you probably have with the freelance lifestyle too. Like, you want to do a big piece, you have a cool client, but there's the middleman of the agency who like maybe brought you the project. But then there's like this additional step of like, you have to negotiate through them and the client has to negotiate through them for any changes. And you know, they're getting this like undisclosed chunk of change. And I I don't know, like I've worked with agencies in the past and it's cool that they bring me work, but then the work also ends up kind of sucking, but maybe a manager would be totally different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of similar to, I don't know, when you, when you sign up to work with a studio on like a super prestigious job uh, and then, I don't know, down the road, the creative process you thought it was going to be just kind of gets whittled down to nothing as Mm -hmm. is the case sometimes. Every Um, time. (laughs) Or every time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, that's that. It does sound interesting. Um, I guess I guess it does depend on who who your manager is for sure. Yeah, I think there's also like uh, all these big celebrity names. I think they're all managed by the same agency. I've like you know clicked on like a couple Instagram accounts and I was fine. I forget their name, but like everybody seems like they seem to be creating the work, like finding the creators like you. And then making the connection with whether it's like Marshmallow or Will Smith or like any big names. Yeah. Um, so maybe yeah. you just get on their good side and hit them up and say like, here, this is what I do. Like, here's a video of so-and-so like weightlifting. Like, let's just like take this, like, take A, take B. And now you've got a viral video. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I, are you what would it take you to commit full time to snatch and snacks? Like not doing any type of commercial stuff anymore. Oh man. Um, I guess the, the, the most attainable thing in the near future would be some sort of like Patreon situation, but I really don't know what exactly that, you know, what the offerings of that would be. Uh, but 
I mean, I mean, with the, you know, I guess the stating the obvious is like, what, what is, what is that uh, stream of revenue look like? Uh, and that's, uh, those are, those are questions I, I'm only starting to ask. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, it's a tough one because it's such a, it's such a niche. And right now these are just edited videos and it's not like, um, there's really no base for people to see, Oh, this can be done with like original content. I think that's why I think we spoke about the motion capture suit. We spoke about like doing original content and everything. Right. That's, I think that's obviously like the next one of the next steps for, for me personally. Original um, content, meaning like you shoot and produce everything on your end. Yeah. And like things that involve me or my persona or like friends of mine. Um, so your, your ultimate goal for snatch and snacks wouldn't necessarily just to be a platform to get clients and do the social media work. It would be your ultimate goal would be to produce original content. And that is like your exclusive job. I mean, I would love to have it both ways. Um, to, to, I guess, become like a bigger influencer in that world. Mm-hmm. But, you know, obviously also use that as a base to create work for other clients. Yeah. I mean, I, I there's gotta be like so many clients just based off of all the TikToks videos I've seen. And like ever since, I think maybe that platform really kicked it off where visual effects is now like an expected thing in people's um, profiles or uh, channels. Like any yeah. big name that you go to will have some video that is very VFX focused. So there might just be a big demand for talented artists and all these agencies and managers are doing their best to find them. So maybe it's yeah. just a matter of like you raise your hand and then they're like, oh sweet, like, yeah, come on, we got a project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I've, I've gotten some, uh, I've gotten some like small bites here and there, uh, but nothing that has really like followed through. Um, but I'm just gonna, you know, keep at it and see, yeah. see where it goes. It's going to happen, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I guarantee it's going to happen. It'll probably happen next week. And I could be yeah. like, ah, I told you so. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, what, what's the hardest? Um, yeah, let's say the hardest, it could be the most time consuming, but what's the hardest visual effect shot you've ever had to do? Mm. As far as uh, snatch and snacks goes, or just let's go snatch and snacks. Yeah, snatch and snacks. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, somebody, somebody was just asking me about this the other day. I think. Um, oh, <laughs> probably the Game of Thrones one because one, uh, my friend Riley, who was in that video, is uh, the original video that I shot of him in our gym was. Mm-hmm it was meant to be more of like a set replacement thing. Like I was going to roto just like rotoscope, like different parts of him. But then the more and more I got into it, I was like, no, the entire (laughs) thing needs to be rotoed. So that was like the first part of it. The second part of it that was really rough was the, uh, (laughs) the motion. I I quote motion capture for the like white walkers. I'm trying Literally. to find this. I'm trying to find it. Uh, here, let me see. What's I might the have thumbnail to, for it? It's uh, it's a guy. Oh, there it is. Does it like, just say yeah? It says Game of Thrones right? or Gains of Thrones. Gains of Thrones. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Gains of Thrones. Uh, I basically this is really embarrassing. 
I took video of me in my basement running towards the camera uh-huh. and like tracked, uh, like keyframed the animation of like an IK rig uh-huh. and applied that in cinema to the, to like a zombie thing nice. that I had modeled. Yeah. So that was like, it was the combination of all that stuff was just so just all over the place. And I, it was such a, I mean, not the right way to go about it, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, everything came together in the end. Dude. Yeah. No, I, I love this piece. It like very, um, yeah. Game of Thrones commercial feel <laughs> yeah. Yeah. in this. I love it. I love that. That first shot of them, like kind of tight, like you could see him running, but it's yeah. see, like the full frame. To yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of like, it kind of mirrors, you know, the very first episode of the series where, you see the guy running through the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like tight shots. It's like building up a lot of tension. Um, yeah. So that's, that was that one. Yeah. Trying to think of another one that was, that was uh, not so much uh, technical as far as the rotoscoping. Um, Cause that's like kind of a given with a lot of these. For rotoscoping, are you using mostly like Mocha AE? Yeah. Um, Mocha. Well, yeah. Mocha pro, but I'm, oh, cool. I'm, I find that, uh, the standalone has been working better for me for some reason. I've hmm. used the, I've, I've used the plugin, but, uh, yeah, I've just been using the, the standalone. Cool. For now. Yeah. I haven't really messed with Mocha pro all that much. And I, I'm not really sure what the difference in compatible, um, capabilities is between Mocha AE and Mocha pro because, I mean, Mocha AE is pretty great. Like it does everything yeah, I need. Yeah, so I'm not really sure what I'm missing. Honestly, it, I'm pretty sure it does everything that Pro does. Hmm. Unless, unless I'm, I'm yeah, I'm maybe like I, some I, small features or something. Yeah, I yeah. use it mainly for like rough tracking that I would then fine tune in After Effects mm-hmm. uh, and and rotoscoping. But that's that's usually it. If the new versions though have some like are pretty powerful, um, I just haven't used any of those features yet. Yeah. Let's, let's talk tracking. Let's talk about the, um, real world tactical. Like I, I wish for this one, I wish you had like the side by side, you know, so we can yeah, like that's a good watch one. the original and the after. I think it'd you, be great. You've, you've gotten the gears turning now that, that, that I should, I should definitely do that. Yeah. Um, but like how, what, what did you track here? How did you track it? Like there is, there is movement going on all over the place. You can you gave me a breakdown before, but yeah, for our listeners, yeah. like, how is this done? Okay, so uh, there's two there's two elements that are being tracked in that shot. There is uh, Tony's uh, Tony's head because the sunglasses in that shot, believe it or not, are CG. Yeah, which I uh, bet a hundred percent of people watching this did not know it was CG because yeah, I had yeah, no idea. And yeah. it's not like it draws like the sunglasses draw attention. But it was it was like the a, rest of it. it. Yeah, yeah, it was. That, but there was an important detail because his, uh, for, for those that don't know, you know, the reason I did this like Call of Duty based or themed video is because Tony actually got a skin made of him for Call of Duty uh, Warzone. Season oh, that's five. awesome. So, so that, and, and he's wearing glasses in, in that. So mm-hmm. this was the only piece of footage that I found where there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, camera movement, people passing in front of him. Uh, the lighting was, you know, decent. So th- there was a little bit more information there to draw from. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, his head isn't moving that much. That wouldn't be super difficult to track 
his head and put the the sunglasses on him. So tracking the head and the other the second the second part that I'm tracking is uh, the trap. It's called a trap bar mm-hmm. uh, that the and and the weights that it's attached to. So for the for the head, uh, I think I start. Yeah, I started with Mocha Pro just tracking his uh, face, like doing a rough track of that. This is usually my process is I'll, I will make like a, uh, I'll do a rough track in Mocha and mm-hmm. then copy and paste that transform like tracking information into After Effects. Right. And then I will attach, once that's in After Effects, I will attach a, a 3D null to that layer that has that tracking information. And what I'll do from there is... And it's still... Frame, 2D at that point, right? Because you have no like Z information. It's you yeah, know, the scale yeah. information, but there's no actual yeah, Z yeah. There's no there's it. no there's no Z information. Uh, what you are, uh, it's weird when you're dealing with tracking this uh, 2D footage. The Z is the scale in 2D. Mm-hmm. So that's why I try to try to pick you know, footage that doesn't have a lot of uh, information where things are scaling up and down because of the distance between Mm -hmm. the subject and the camera. So what I will do is copy and paste that information from Mocha into a layer in After Effects. And then I'll create like a 3D null that I just then attach to that. I guess before before I attach that, that first layer, you might have to edit this. I'm going back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Let me start over. Okay. So um, once I, I'll copy that uh, information from Mocha Pro mm-hmm. into a 3D layer yeah. into After Effects, then I'll create a 3D null uh, and attach that null to that layer that has the tracking information on mm-hmm. it. I'll zero out that null and using the orientation of that null, I will uh, try to try to get the Z axis to kind of line up with his like line of sight. So you're and just then, like eyeballing it, just yeah, like just, guessing just, for that. Yeah. Just eyeballing it. Um, cool. for, for something like the head, it's a little different because you don't really have any frame of reference to, you know, normally I would just take that back into cinema mm-hmm. and then create like a target so that things are, constantly lining up and his line of sight is always, you know, directly in front, mm-hmm. but starting from frame zero, just kind of like keyframing and checking where that, you know, where that rotation is, mm-hmm. where, you know, changing that orientation every few frames just to make sure it's, it's lining up. So what you're doing is you're fine tuning that, uh, you're fine tuning that null as you go through, through that process. You know, obviously that's another reason why the length of that video is so short so that you're not having to yeah. <laughs> go crazy with it. But uh, there's no sliding or anything though. Like it, it looks super tight. I would assume with that method, there'd be a lot of like little fine tuning, but then yeah, usually so, when you do a lot of fine tuning with tracking, then you're adding too much manual stuff and it looks yeah, wonky. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. I guess another, uh, another important uh, thing to mention is there's usually like a, an hi- a hierarchy whenever I fine tune things. So mm-hmm. with that null, uh, I should, sorry, I should have mentioned this before. I would start with, uh, fine tuning the position. So, you know, zooming into that footage 
and then going through keyframing the position first, mm-hmm. just make, you know, making sure it's, it, there's like a point on his face that I can sort of, you know, keep, keep that null locked to for, you know, for the duration of the scene. Right. And then, then you go back to the beginning, then you do the orientation. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of, it's like a process of elimination. It, ke- it helps keep you organized because if you're trying to do the position and the rotation at the same time, you know, the, you're going to do the position and then the rotation and then the keyframes are going to be, you know, cause the rotation will be different here, but then the position will be different here. And yeah, you'll like, th- those, those yeah. things need to be totally separate from each other. So once, once I have the position and the rotation fine tuned, um, I'm pretty sure a scripts has this plugin, but it's a bake parented transform. Hmm, so cool. so that null that you had parented to the rough track from Mocha, you do the bake parented transform on that null. So now you have a baked 3d null. And then what you'll do is add a camera mm-hmm. into your, uh, scene and after effects. And, uh, know, set your in and out point and then export a cinema 4d file from that. Mm -hmm. And when you bring that, when you open up that C4d file, uh, obviously bring in like a background object so you can see how that null is lining up with your footage and whatnot. Uh, but then drop in, you know, an object and see how, how it's lining up. The, the sunglasses were kind of, uh, kind of a very technical example because you're also trying to see where the, like the ear pieces line up with the ears. Yeah. So, so you can even, uh, even at that point, you can fine tune it even more. So you have all these levels of, of tuning when it comes to doing this with like 2D footage. And I mean, I, <laughs> I love, this, I love this the is, idea of showing this shot and being like, I'm going to do a breakdown of how I did this shot. And it's like, there's this big shield popping up in these turrets. And the whole time you break down the sunglasses, <laughs> yeah. nobody knew it was yeah. even CG to I mean, yeah, in, my, in my head, I'm thinking like, God, oh, man, yeah, I'm just spending <laughs> a lot of time on these sunglasses. <laughs> but uh, it's, it is funny, though, because I do remember when I, I had first moved to New York. And um, I remember going to this, like, fin- finishing house, which uh, for, for people that don't know, there's whenever you... Uh, whenever you finish a, a commercial, it's always put through this like massive editing program where all the final color is done. And, uh, but also at these edit houses, they do have staff animators that will sometimes work on different jobs. And I remember uh, working, working on this job in like the animation room and watching and, and looking at some of the other jobs that people were working on. I remember watching this guy who was like, he was hand tracking in 3D uh, like a big funny mask on this wrestler. Hmm. I mean, th- this was like 2008, 2009. But I, but since then, I mean, I don't know if if they, you know, again, I, I'm sort of out of the loop when it comes to uh, you know powerful tra- tracking tools when you don't when you have no tracking markers. But then Dude, again, that, yeah, I'm still not sure. Like, I, I think Nuke, I don't use Nuke, but it seems like it has some pretty good facial tracking stuff. Synthize is a good tracker, but still, I don't think any of them are like that perfect for face trapping, but yeah. face tracking. But the stuff that I have seen that seems not flawless, but very fast and very 
potentially effective are like um, VR related stuff. Like yeah. um, even just Spark AR, which is uh, Facebook's um, augmented reality software. If you want to build uh, filters for Instagram or Facebook, you right. can see like very quickly, you just like import it and like move around with your webcam and there'll be a face mesh that will like move with your face, like whatever expressions you make. And it's instantaneous. So I don't, I don't get why that stuff doesn't seem to exist yet in like yeah. even just after effects, like just give us yeah. that, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I guess, I guess it's honestly, again, it just, it just depends on, on the shot. Uh, you know, what this guy was working on though was, you know, wrestler from the front gets up on top on the top rope com- yeah. turns completely around like you know that can only be done by hand um, i don't know man i i guarantee there's got to be some like machine learning algorithm out there that yeah, n- now I'm, I'm there there has to be like yeah. back then <laughs> back then no but yeah now i now at least if it's not out yet it will be hopefully yeah. soon because there's yeah, for sure. all these little things that you have to do by hand that you shouldn't have to, you know, like, yeah, it'll well, like, it takes skill to do it. Like, it's not just like, Oh, I'll, um, I'll jump in and do it by hand and whatever. I'll just like, it'll suck up some time. Like, no, like you were saying, if you try and do the position and the rotation stuff at the same time, you're going to just keep screwing yourself over. Like you have to know from your experience, yeah. the right process to get it done. Yeah. Um, it's really funny because when, when Snatch and Snacks first started, the first, oh man, inundated with DMs of, oh man, you should really think about making an app for this. Yeah. And I was like, if, if, I, if I had an app for that, <laughs> I would have the, mo- the smartest like uh, photo recognition yeah, software seriously. there is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's like Blade Runner level uh, <laughs> technology. Yeah. But, yeah. Again, that's, that's the, that's the little intricacies that you have to do by hand. Right. Um, totally. You know, I, the, I know that there's a hand there that is like a garbled mess of pixels. Right. But I, I don't see how, you know, something, uh, how the computer can know that there's a hand there, but even based off of like the first, the few frames ahead, ahead of it and behind it. Um, I think like, again, it depends on the, it depends on the information in the footage, obviously. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's tough. It's just tough when you're dealing with like 640 pixel square footage. Dude, for sure. Uh, Yeah. I mean, resolution matters, uh, to a great extent, but I think like with all this like crazy neural network machine learning stuff that I'm seeing, like the, with a big enough data set, it'll know how a hand is supposed to move and like the basic anatomy of a human or something like if this is the arm, this should be the hand and the hand will have this many fingers. And like, yeah, if it moves this way, then it'll, you know, yeah, it's going to happen. Like everything will be like five clicks and we'll just be able to be purely creative without having to be framing. And I mean, look, look at the, I'm starting to sound like, (laughs) <laughs> such like a future old guy when I say this, but it's like, you know, look, look at the, look at the one-to-one of, of the gun and the tracking markers. I mean, that's like something anyone can do now mm-hmm. uh, where that, you know, that, that tracking 
was done in like Buju or something, you know, 10 plus years ago. Um, so the recognition is getting, is getting a lot better. Yeah. Um, I mean, even with the facial recognition through, uh, you know, different phone filters, uh, like augmented, augmented reality recognition is, is awesome now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, there's definitely like a, a hands-on section of it. Yeah. That's, uh, that's part of the reason why, you know, every Marvel movie has like a list of a thousand plus animators on a job. Yeah. And they still like, you know, I mean, I love the movie, so no criticizing, but like errors still slip through, even with like an almost literal army of visual effects artists, like, just Google, you know, CG mistakes in Marvel movies and you'll probably find tons of videos just because it's hard. It's hard stuff. <laughs> How can you? It's hard to like, do it all. You can't, you can't find, especially in 4K, I mean, you just can't fine tune every single frame. It's, it's, too, it's, that's too tough. Yeah. The, uh, I went, I remember when the, when the new RoboCop came out, mm-hmm. I was like, I couldn't believe it, man, how polished the 3D was. But then there were things like simple green screen keys that looked awful. Yeah. Um, that stuff still gets by. Um, there was like the, what was it? Uh, the Phoenix X-Men something, Rise of the Phoenix or something. I forget. But like in the trailer, she's like very clearly like just lying on a green screen. It was like, looked like a pretty quick key and her hair is just kind of like floating yeah. in this fat, weird. Yeah, when, she, when, she's, when she starts to like walk off the platform and she's like, it's very visible. The platform is shaking. <laughs> it's not, you know. <laughs> I mean, like I, I get it to an extent because it, it, it sounds like the way visual effects um, studios get these big projects is they have to go through this bidding war almost probably for like any shot or any project. So they're always trying to like underbid each other to get the project. But when you underbid to a certain extent, you just have to be like, well, okay, we have to like knock this out in three hours, like <laughs> freaking key light, key cleaner and after effects. And yeah. Yeah. Throw it up. Yeah. It's a, yeah. uh, it's, it's tough being <laughs> being such a, a a fan of the back end because uh, it's it's hard to watch movies with your friends when you're just kind of like yeah <laughs> picking picking things apart. That's why that's why that's why you like really appreciate it when it's done when it's done right. Yeah, when you don't really notice it all. When you which don't is notice the idea. It. Yeah, David think, David Fincher is really good at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the hidden visual effects. Um, yeah. Yeah, for me, it's always like uh, maybe the first and second time I watch a movie I really like, I'm pretty sucked in and I'm not paying too much attention unless it's like a very in-your-face visual effect. And then I'm like trying to break down in my head a little bit or see if I can see if I can recreate it. But yeah. then like, you know, maybe the second or third time I watch the movie, every single like VFX shot, I'm like paying attention to any little like tracking and like wondering how they did that and be like, well, I got to Google the behind the scenes for that and see how right. they pull it off. Yeah. yeah. It's always the, it's always the, uh, the sci-fi, uh, movies, TV shows, whatever that can pull it off are always the ones that, that kill it because yeah. I mean, it's just, we all know it's not reality, but if you can sell it and I can, and you can fool me, then yeah you've got it. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. Sci-fi projects are, are 
ones I want to work on a bit more often. I want to do yeah. like like a full month of just doing space content and just like trying yeah. cool, crazy promo videos of yeah, spaceship dog fights and like the big like the I love like the the Star Wars shots where they do like a, the big planet reveal and then the spaceship like flies by camera with that like and it flies. yeah 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 I want to yeah. do like two of those and I'm good yeah yeah I love that stuff man I, I love anything space related yeah it's one of my favorite genres for sure um, Wes are you ready for some speed questions yeah awesome yeah let's, let's go all right what is the best audio moment or sound effect in any movie? Take your time. Oh, any movie. Oh. <laughs> Anything that just kind of stands out to you is like. Well, I mean, we were just talking about we were just talking about space. Uh-huh. Uh huh. God, spoiler alert! But in um, God, I can't remember what. I can't remember the title. It was one of the recent Star Wars movies. I knew. I knew. I knew you're going there, man. <laughs> And yeah. it's, it's the lack of sound, right? Yes. You, so know exactly, you know exactly what, yeah, yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. It's where the, it's where they blast light speed through the star destroyers. Uh-huh. I mean, it was, I just remember being in the theaters and like the entire, uh, the entire audience, just everyone just like, Holy shit. Yeah. Like, or like, Whoa, like a, like a, unanimous whoa yeah that's why i remember like when people were talking about that shot online and they're like oh like whatever you can't like do light speed through another ship or like that's not can i'm like dude you guys are missing the point that shot was awesome like it was insane gorgeous and like they they built it up where the sound was like kind of building and then it was just like quiet and you see like like the first spaceship explode yeah it goes kind of like outwards with the it was like, like a, flares it had this like weird, like anime influence kind of during mm. like in, in that moment. Um, yeah. That part was sick. God. Yeah. I love the decision of not putting sound there. Like, yeah. Like you can hear the audience react, which is so yeah. powerful. Yeah. If, if, sorry, I, I, I know that was just one, but, uh, man, the, the sound design slash music in Blade Runner 2049 mm-hmm. when he is like going from that first opening scene back into LA. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember what I went to, I went to the movies and I, I, I remember I was like, none of my friends wanted to see it because nobody really? like understood it. I yeah. remember watching it and being like, I haven't had an experience like this with sound in a while. Um, yeah. I just thought yeah, that was dope. That movie's fantastic. I watched it once in theaters and i haven't seen it since any of fine i could probably get yeah, it on amazon or something but it's tough it's tough to, to watch it again after seeing it in theaters honestly <laughs> yeah yeah it's made for the big screen but yeah. i remember like how many like lut packs came out after that movie like <laughs> sci-fi let's get the blade runner look it's like <laughs> okay it's cool yeah uh are you watching any tv shows right now um i'm in the middle of watching dark that uh, German show about time uh-huh. travel. Yep. That one. And uh, I think that's, I think that's it. Are, are you just starting it recently? I'm on, I'm on season three. Oh, there's a third. Okay. So I watched the yeah. first season and it was awesome. And then I think there's like a year or two delay. And when the second season came out, I started watching it. And I was like, I have no idea what's going on. Oh <laughs> like, yeah. I totally my, forgot my, the intricacies of the relationships. And yeah. Who's who yeah. And, 
Yeah. My, my friends, my friends that have watched, they were like, don't like, don't wait in between seasons. You have to watch everything all the way through. You're going to forget everything. Yeah, totally. Even like watching the, the like recap, I was like that, <laughs> that gave yeah. me no information. <laughs> it's I don't like 4%. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, was, I remember the first season. I was very impressed at how well made it was. Yeah. So if you could only have one pair of shoes for the rest of your life and let's say like you, you don't have the choice of going barefoot. You have to wear these shoes the second you leave your house. Would you wear rollerblades or moon shoes? Moon shoes. Mm. Why? Um, because what if, uh, so you don't get beat up by skateboarders. Yeah. What if, what if, what if the gravity all, all of a sudden goes kaput? Oh, then you're ahead (laughs) of the game at that point. (laughs) Everybody else is wishing they had moon shoes. We're talking global, global meltdown any minute. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I was, I, I thought about this question myself and I, I'm still not sure. Like you get around places faster with rollerblades. Then like you can just create stream. You can just create the masterpiece film, uh, airborne every day of the week. So, uh, it's perfect. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> All right. If you had to fight, one of these two presidents, Abraham Lincoln or Theodore Roosevelt, who would you fight? Oh, man. Probably Lincoln. He's a tough bastard. He is a tough bastard. <laughs> so you would fight him because he feels like a more legitimate threat or because Teddy is a more legitimate threat? It would be a test. It would be a, te- a test of strength. I think that's why. <laughs> a test of strength, then, yeah. I think Teddy, yeah. but, man... Abraham Lincoln was like six four, so that dude's reach. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be I'm a quick. tough one. I'm quick. I might have a chance. <laughs> might be able to get into the guard. Yeah. <laughs> um, can you try to hum while holding your nose closed? I think I would try that. Just try it. Huh? <laughs> 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 Yeah, apparently you can't do it. Yeah. You're just blowing in your... That's it. Yeah, clearing the sinuses. Uh, do you know what the loudest sound in recorded history is? Or what's your guess? In recorded history? Mm-hmm. Like a flyby of a jet, maybe? That'd be pr- pretty loud, I think. But the loudest sound... I should have wrote down the date. But apparently it's the Krakatoa volcano eruption. And it says, oh. I read like 180 decibels. It was heard 3,000 miles away. Imagine hearing something oh from 3,000 miles away. There's like this that little tidbit I thought was cool. So there's a, a British ship that was 40 miles away from the explosion at the time. And the ship's captain wrote in his log, so violent are the explosions that the eardrums, the eardrums of over half my crew have been shattered. My last thoughts are with my dear wife. I am convinced that the day of judgment has come. And he's 40 miles from this thing. It was that loud, just the sound of it. What? Isn't that terrifying? Yeah. That is insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy stuff. Wow. Anyway, yeah. Um, Wes, can you tell our viewers and our listeners where they can find your work? Uh, yeah, so um, my Snatch and Snacks work is obviously on Instagram um, through Snatch and Snacks. And my website is wesrichardson.me. 
And that's where I have most of my uh, portfolio work for clients and whatnot. But uh, yeah, that's, yep. that's where you can find everything. And Wes is on TikTok as well. And it's um, for TikTok and Instagram, it's Snatch and Snacks, which is S-A-S-N-A-T-C-H-I-N, no G, and then Snacks, S-N-A-C-K-S. Yeah. Snatch and Snacks. Yeah, Everybody snacks. go check Wes's work. We, For those of you watching, we've been playing on the screens this whole time. And for those of you listening, definitely go check it out. Wes does awesome work. And Wes, I've seen you use some production crate assets. So Wes is a creator. We're happy to have him using our stuff so we can repost it occasionally. Oh, and sure. Wes also created this awesome astronaut piece for us recently, which shows off the astronaut character, which I absolutely love using myself. And like the coral pieces, which... Man, I, I love it. I love like the monochromatic look and then the color when it shows up, like really, really pops against that contrast. So yeah, it's beautiful work, Wes. Thanks a lot, man. Cool. Thank you guys for, for having me on. For sure. All right, Wes. Thanks, dude. I'll see you All right. All right. Take <laughs> care. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. And remember to make it awesome.